We are continuing on in the summer of the Psalms and going through the Psalms one, uh, one by one and sometimes uh, one by you know, two or three weeks. So we might take some more time on some, right? Um, today we cover Psalm 35 and uh, today's title is Longing for Justice. And uh, we're going to see uh, what, what is called an imprecatory psalm here. And it's, it's, interesting, it's an interesting psalm. There's not a lot of them. Um, and, and for you and I who live in pretty much, a, 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 for the most part, uh, a, an easy place to live as far as free from persecution, um, we maybe don't understand psalms like this. They're, they're di- more difficult for us to, to, to understand because it's, it's a psalm that says, God, I want to pray a curse on my enemy. I hope that you smite them, right? That, that's, this is what David is saying. God, look at what's going on around me and take them out. And we hear that, we're like, I don't know if I can say that. I don't know, how, how do we, so one, I'd say this, let's let this be descriptive and not necessarily prescriptive, okay? We, we can see what David prayed and how he prayed and why he prayed. And, and ultimately, what I, what I hope we see is that, that we would long for justice like David longs for justice, but we would long for justice uh, because we love the glory of God. We love the glory of God. And, and, and really what we see in the glory of God is we see God acting in his faithful love towards people. So that's, that's a real big premise of this to make sure we understand that this is about God acting and God is just to act. And when we talk about an imprecatory psalm where it's like, God, get these people, take them out. We need to make sure we search our heart and we see David's heart here. This is not a psalm that says, God, I'd really want you to get even for me. You understand the difference here? This is a, this is a, a psalm that says, God, I really want you to be vindicated. I want your glory to be seen. Uh, even though it, it certainly will impact what's going on around me, I want you to have the glory, you to have the honor. So that's really, really important for us um, to not go into that place that says, I, I'm going to I'm going to get even. No, I, I want God to have uh, the justice, right? So this may make us a little uncomfortable as we read it as we look at it, but I think we'll, we'll find some good things to, to pull out of it uh, for you and I as we, we look to, to see God's glory uh, seen in our lives and through our church and, and around our world. We, we long for that. I want you to think about this too. Um, although we don't have a lot of maybe great experience with huge persecution, it's going on all throughout the earth, right? It's the, the God, God's people are being persecuted all the time all around the world. So when you, if you are, were in that situation, in that scenario, and saw what was happening, or maybe you're reading a lot about what's happening, and you, you get the persecuted church um, updates, and you see that, that what's going on, it, it rises in you, doesn't it? It's like, man, I, I don't like this. I want, I want this to be taken care of. I want something to be done about this, right? And I think that even if you haven't seen that or don't feel that, I think that you probably have been in a scenario, right, maybe at that family reunion where that awkward uncle or aunt or cousin or whoever it was, was that person that was like really obnoxious and really just just profane and really just debauched and they were ruining it and, and like you saw how how bad life really looked and how bad life really was or maybe just in life in general you're looking around and like you're like man I, I don't want to stand too near to this person because they're about to get smoted from God right like the lightning's going to strike you ever hear that from people and friends they're like I can't go to your church I can't I can't go and what do they, what do they say jokingly roof's going to cave in or the place will burn down if I step foot inside there. Right? So we understand already that there's a justice of God, a judgment and a wrath of God against sin. And we need to understand that that's real. And David understood that. But for you and I, as we're here today, one thing before we get started I need to encourage you in is the depth of the gospel and, and the depth of God's love for people. Right? God loves us. God desires a relationship with us. 
God desires that we be in right relationship with Him. But the Scriptures tell us that our own sin has, has separated us from God. So when we look at a psalm like this, and, and it's almost like, man, David, you're almost pronouncing judgment here. Here's the fact. Judgment has already been pronounced on the whole entire earth. The Bible says that every one of us already stands condemned. We're already ready to be smitten or smoted or whatever you want to use that word. It's, it's coming, right? It's already there. I, I use this analogy, and I've used it in church before, too, of the, the boat, right? A lot of people like to think, well, we're on this cruise ship, and I just got to do everything I can to keep the boat from sinking so I don't perish. That's not how the world works. What, what we ha- what's happened is we've already hit an iceberg, the ship's already sunk, and we're already all in the water. Right? That's our fate. Now, what happens now is, is really as God pursues us and stirs in our heart as we say yes to Him, are we going to get on the lifeboat? Or are we in our own power going to say, no, I can take care of it myself, I'll, I'll, just, I'll swim around and I'll, I'll, I'll be fine, or I've got a life jacket on. But eventually, everyone that's left in the water will ultimately perish. So, so God says, I want to rescue you. I want to I forgive you of your sin. I want to give you the freedom and the rescue that you desperately need. So none of you are on a ship still that's b- before it's sunk. It's, we're all in the water. We all deserve the water, right? We, we all, it's the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So Christ is saying, I want you to have life. I want you to have forgiveness. I want you to know real freedom and real truth. Get in my boat, and I'll rescue you. And see, when David comes at this, this angle, he says, listen, I'm, I'm going to be praying for judgment. Judgment's already had, right? But, and what he knows is the favor of God. He knows the forgiveness of God. He knows the righteousness of God in his own life. So he knows, I, God, I'm already in the boat with you. I've already been pulled out of the water. And there are all kinds of people out there still causing all kinds of evil, and God, your, your wrath is on them. But I know that when you act, big things happen. When you act for your name's sake, people come to know you as Savior. So that's an important aspect of this, too, is when we talk about an imprecatory psalm, saying, God, judge people. Ju- it, it, God is totally just to already do that, and we're already condemned. But David also knows that as God judges, as God acts, as God intervenes, people will see his glory and will come to know him as Savior. Amen? So that's a precursor before we get started here. Let's go ahead to Psalm 35. Uh, I'll pray, uh, pray for us, and then I'll read the passage of Scripture. We'll break it apart. God, we, we trust you today with this passage. We ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to be receptive to your truth. God, from your word and from your spirit as it, as it interacts with us, Lord, as you convict us of sin, and God, drive us to a place of, of humility and repentance that, God, we would long for you and we would long to be righteous because of you not because of our own standing or what how good we are god but because of how good you are so god help us to see that clearly help us to to long god for justice because we not because we want to get even god but help us long for justice because we love the glory of god being seen when you act so help us today as we look to your word we pray this in jesus name amen all right psalm 35 i'll read the entire passage is quite long and then we'll we'll break it apart oppose my opponents lord fight those who fight me take your shields large and small and come to my aid draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers and assure me i am your deliverance let those who intend to take my life be disgraced and humiliated let those who plan harm for me be turned back and ashamed Let them be like chaff in the wind, 
with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. They hid their net uh, for me without cause. They dug a pit for me without cause. Let ruin come on him unexpectedly and let the net that he hid ensnare him. Let him fall into it in his ruin. Then I will rejoice in the Lord. I will delight in his deliverance. All my bones will say, Lord, who is like you rescuing the poor from the one strong, too strong for him? The poor uh, or the needy uh, from the ones who rob him. Malicious witnesses come forward. They question me about things I do not know. They repay me evil for good, making me desolate. Yet when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting, and my prayer was genuine. I went about mourning as if, as if for a friend or for a brother. I was, I was bowed down in grief like one mourning for a mother. But when I stumbled, they gathered in glee and gathered against me. Assailants I did not know tore at me and did not stop. With godless mockery, they gnashed their teeth at me. Lord, how long will you look on? Rescue me from their ravages. Rescue my life from these young lions. I will praise you in the great assembly. I will exalt you among many people. Do not let my deceitful enemies rejoice over me. Do not let those who hate me without cause wink maliciously at me. For they do not speak in friendly ways, but contrive fraudulent schemes against those who live peacefully in the land. They open their mouths wide against me and say, Aha, we saw it. You saw it, Lord. Do not be silent, Lord. Do not be far from me. Wake up and rise to my defense, to my cause, my, and, uh, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me, Lord my God, in keeping with your righteousness. And do not let them rejoice over me. Do not let them say in their hearts, Aha, just what we wanted. And do not let them say, We have swallowed him up. Let those who rejoice at my misfortune be disgraced and humiliated. Let those who exalt themselves over me be clothed with shame and reproach. Let those who want my vindication shout for joy and be glad. Let them continually say, the Lord be exalted. He takes pleasure in his servant's well-being. And my tongue will proclaim your righteousness, your praise all day long. This is the word of God. Well, again, we, I think we've all seen times in our lives where uh, we've had that person next to us, right? And we're like, uh, they are going to get uh, struck down by lightning. I need to move to a safer location pretty quick, right? And, I, and really, it, for you and I, even in the American church, where there's not a lot of persecution, we can see the news, right? We can see the writing on the wall. We can see the, the mishaps that are all around, the misfortune that's all around. Uh, we can see the, the, the hardships that people are facing and the division that's all over. We can see the sinfulness in this world. Is, is just at a peak, right? And so we, we look at that and say, God, how long? What's going to happen? What, when are you going to act or do something? And that's the same kind of plea that David is saying here. So today we're going to look at this longing for justice and just break this down into three chunks. It's kind of in three chunks as well. But uh, this longing for ju- justice, number one, starts with uh, the fact that God's people are persecuted. right? So number one is we long for justice when God's people are being persecuted. right? Because that's, that's not right. That's, uh, and here's what I'm going to do. Because this is broken up into three chunks, each chunk has every element of the point. So I'm going to jump through this psalm again, uh, looking at the specific ways in which God's people are persecuted. Now, this whole entire psalm is a prayer. It's, it's, it's uh, David pleading, begging God to respond. Okay, but let's look at the ways 
in which they were, he was persecuted. Verse 1, um, oppose my opponents. So he had people who were opponents of him, opposition. Uh, fight those who are fighting with me, right? So he, the people are fighting him. Uh, go, he goes on into verse 11. Ma- uh, malicious witnesses come forward. So there's malicious people come forward and question me about things I don't know. So basically he's saying they're coming with evidence and facts that aren't real. And they're just saying bad things about me. Uh, and then verse 12, they repay eat my, me evil for good. Like I, I've done good to them, and they're repaying evil. Like, God, your justice has to be there. And then he describes how he's done good. So when we think that he hates these people and he just wants them to be wiped off the face of the earth, let's see how he actually treated them. Verse uh, 13, yet when they were sick, so the same people, right, when they were sick, what did he do? My clothing was sackcloth. Like he, he fasted and he prayed and he mourned for these people. He wanted them to have a heart change and to be humbled, right? So my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting, and my prayer was genuine. Really important there. How often do we, okay, I'll pray for my enemies. God, I, I pray for my enemies. Amen. Is that genuine? No. What is the genuineness here? He's praying that they would change their ways, that they would see and know God the way he sees and knows God. He says, I went about mourning, right? He was weeping, mourning as if for a friend or brother. These were not friends and brothers, but he mourned for them anyway, right? This is remarkable. He, he bowed down in grief as one mourning over a mother. So he, he reached out. He, he desired their heart to be changed because that's what God's desire is. And that's how God had also treated David, right? David, David was treated that way when, when he had sin in his life. And when he came to that place of needing to be chastised, People were praying for him, and he came to his senses, and he came to repentant faith in God, and, and God forgave his iniquity, forgave his sin. So going on in verse 15, how else are they persecuting? Well, I, after even I loved them, I, when I stumbled, right, they, they gathered against me. They, uh, they tore me, and they did not stop. They had godless mockery at me. They gnashed their teeth. We'll see some of that imagery in a few minutes. Why would somebody gnash their teeth? Uh, going on in verse 19, uh, he says, don't let my deceitful enemies rejoice over me. Right? Enemies are rejoicing at his, his predicament. Uh, they wink at me maliciously. Uh, they do not speak in friendly ways, but they contrive, again, fraudulent arguments. And then in verse 21, they open their mouths wide against me. Whatever they can do. They want to, want to annihilate me. They want to come against me. They want to see your righteousness, God, that you have over me. They want to see that gone. They would want nothing to do with God or his righteousness or anything that's right or would cause them to be humbled. We are hard-pressed. What do we do? We call on God. I want to look at a couple different verses here for support. Uh, in Psalm 37, we see the wicked person schemes against the righteous. So this is the scheme. David's not saying, I'm right and they're wrong. It's not like he's two kids fighting and mom and dad have to pick a side. David is in the right. He is a righteous person. He is Trusting in God, he's letting God's righteousness be his rule, and, and this, they're coming against him. And so Psalm 37, the wicked person schemes against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. Right? The Lord, and this is verse 13 of 37, the Lord laughs at him because he, see, he sees that his day is coming. That, that's a huge hope. We need, and, and David knows this hope. So David doesn't have to say, listen, I, God, just wipe them all right now, right now, do it now, because I know that that's what's right. He says, God, they are under their own judgment. They are, they are already condemned. And I know in your righteousness, in your justice, you are going to have the final say. 
you are going to win. And in fact, God, I know you're laughing at them. Right? The wicked have drawn swords and strung the bow and to bring down the poor and the needy and to slaughter those whose way is upright. So it's against the upright. And the, and the prayer in Psalm uh, 30, 37 it tells us the sword will enter their own hearts and their bows will be broken. Right? So in the end, again, it's all for naught. Th- there will be people that persecute us and pressure us and, and put the pressure on. Part of it is just entrusting ourselves to God. Say, God, I, I'm not righteous because they say I'm righteous. I'm righteous because you have made me righteous through faith in Christ. I'm not going to allow their impact, their influence to change my standing with you. In fact, as I know my standing with you is not based on what I've done because it's based on what you have finished on the cross, I'm going to allow their standing to be earned as well. Now, they could come to faith in Christ through God's miraculous works, or they will suffer judgment. Like, I would have suffered judgment had I not come to faith in Christ. David knows this as well and knows that in the end, it's all for naught. Uh, it goes on in verse 30, or chapter 37 and 16. Uh, the little that the righteous person has is better than the abundance that the wicked people have. Uh, for the arms, and this is great, for the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord supports the righteous. So who, who is the one who we put our trust in? It's God. It's the Lord, right? It's, it's not our own doing. It's not our, our friends. It, it, it's ultimately in the Lord. The Lord supports the righteous. The Lord, in verse 18, watches over the blameless all their days, and their inheritance will last forever. Right? This is, goes to Romans. Nothing you can do can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, your Lord. What can separate us? Nothing. Right? So, so David is understanding. David knows this. David feels this protection that the Lord watches over the blameless all their days. Right? They will not be disgraced in times of adversity. They will be satisfied in days of hunger. God is going to take care of me. That's what David knows. But he still feels persecution. So when he feels persecution, he longs for God's judgment. Right? This is how people respond, though, to the righteous. They gnash their teeth. They come against them. We see this in Acts chapter 7 uh, with the stoning of Stephen, right? The first deacon. And he had proclaimed the gospel and, and said it's all about Jesus and you need to repent of your sin. And what did they do? When they heard these things, they were enraged. Right? This is, this is where persecution comes from. They hate Jesus. They hate the gospel. They hate humility. They hate accountability. And I hope you are not in that seat today. Because you will gnash your teeth as well. So they were enraged and they gnashed their teeth at him. Stephen then, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. So where are Stephen's eyes? Are they on his situation? Are they on like injustice? Are they on wanting to get even? Or are they on the glory of God? They're in the glory of God. Right? He, he gazes his eyes at heaven, right? Uh, he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. There's so much theology in that. Like, there's, there's so much gospel. Like, I, I have hope in him. He's my Savior. Whatever you do to me is nothing. He's the man, by the way. He's the one you're going to be accountable to. He's the righteous one. He's the good one. You are nothing. I see him standing at the right hand of God. There's judgment there. These thrones you'll stand before one day. Right? And so what was their response to him just looking up to the glory of God? They yelled at the top of their voices. They covered their ears and together rushed out against him. Looks like a toddler to me. Right? Isn't that what toddlers do? They stomp out and they cover their ears. La, 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 I can't hear you. That's what the world, that's what they're doing with Jesus. 
It's no wonder if David's like, God, just smite them all. Right? They, they don't understand. They don't get it. But what he's saying is, God, in your infinite glory, in your infinite justice, act. Act. Do something so that they can respond. And they can see it's not just Stephen. It's not just me. But it's about your glory. They yelled at the top of their voices. They covered their ears. They rushed out against him. They dragged him out of the city, and they began to stone him. So he's there, getting, and rocks are being thrown at him. And, and, and the witnesses laid their garments at the feet uh, of the young man named Saul, who would later become who? Paul. It, this, this goes to show the great testimony of faithful servant of God as he, as he or she endures persecution, and as their eyes fix on the justice and glory of God, how that can be a witness to people around, right? Because Paul... Saul becomes Paul eventually, right? While they were stoning Stephen, rocks literally hitting him in the head. As they're doing this, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. I didn't say, Lord Jesus, I want to get even. He said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. I know I am, I am safe with you. Nothing they can do can take me away from you. He, he knelt down and he cried out with a loud voice. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. What? In the middle of being stoned to death, his adversaries gnashing their teeth and behaving like toddlers, what does he pray? He prays this big prayer. He says, God, I, I want you to see them. I, want them. I want you to show yourself to them, and I want them to come to faith in you and that they can be forgiven. Their forgiveness was still on his mind, knowing full well that if they didn't respond in faith to Christ, they would be judged. Don't hold this sin against them. And after saying this, he perished. Listen, we, we long for justice as, as the people of God are persecuted. As you are persecuted, we should long for justice. But that does not mean getting even. It means that we long for justice because we love the glory of God and his work in making the unrighteous righteous through faith in him amen let's look at the next part of this we long for justice number two we long for it by praying for god's action we pray for god's action i there's too many times i've watched the news or watched a story or read an article or seen just in, an experience in life and i'm like oh i hate that i can't wait for the day i'm in heaven and i do nothing about it and i pray nothing for it right i, I want to see glimmers and pieces of, of god acting here today in justice and in righteousness and in truth and he does he is not as far as way as far away as we would think but he but david prayed so he's praying for god's action let's look at verse uh, chapter 35 go to verse 4 and we'll skip around here there's a lot of lets in here let those who intend to take my life so he, my life he's praying right he's asking making requests let those who intend to take my life be disgraced and humiliated let those who plan to harm me be turned back and ashamed. Let them be like chaff in the wind and with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Uh, let, their way or let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord uh, pursuing them. They hid their net for me without cause. They dug a pit for me without cause. Let ruin come on him unexpectedly. Let the net that he has had for me ensnare him. Let, it fall in, or let him fall into it to his ruin. So David's like, God, you act, do something here. We need you to come through. And, and it's, it's interesting, like, the idea of let them be ashamed, let them be humiliated, let, let, them, let them come to ruin. 
right? What, what, what does it take for you and I to come to faith in Christ? Is it pride? Is it having everything all together? Not at all, right? What, what does it take? Humility, being humbled, right? It, it, sh- being ashamed, understanding how deeply we've sinned and messed up. And he's praying that. He's praying that, God, their, pri- their, their pride action or proud actions, the, the pride they have in whatever their, their stance is, would come to ruin and that they would end up just wrecked, just wrecked. And he's not praying, God, I want to get even, so wreck them. He's like, God, you need to act, and your justice and your glory are more important, so you act. You bring them to ruin. Bring them to nothing. Let them see how, how far away they have strayed, how far away from you they are. And I think about the, the consequences, what that might look like. You know, if you're out there covering your ears saying, la, 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 as a grown adult, stoning somebody to death because they said Jesus, you might come back to those people who witnessed that and say, they might be like, what, what exactly were you doing? Like, what, what was going on there that you would gnash your teeth and cover your ears and sing la, la, la and kill somebody? Like, there's got to be some reality check there, right? So David's like, hey, God, reality check their heart. Verse 17, he also is praying here, Lord, how long will you look on? How long, Lord, rescue me from these, their ravages. Rescue me or my precious life from these young lions. They're out, they're out to kill me. They're out to devour me. God, how, how long are you going to look on? Verse 22, you saw it. I, I love this. Because we can ask that question, God, how long are you going to stand by and do nothing? How, how long until you're going to pay attention and, and see what's going on? And that's a real honest prayer, right? I mean, I, I've prayed that prayer. God, when is this going to happen, right? Maybe it's for a job, or maybe it's for uh, a, a situation, a, a relational situation where you're trying to mend something, and you're wondering, how long is it going to take? Or how long is it going to take, God, to kick this habit or this addiction? God, how long? Right? Or, why aren't you watching? Where are you? But what does he say here in verse, verse 22? You saw it. God, you saw it. You weren't far away. You saw it. You knew. You are there. You are present. But then he says, do not be silent, Lord. Do not be far from me. Let, me. let me be reminded of your goodness. Let me be reminded of your grace. Let me be reminded of your presence in my life. God, wake up. He says, wake up and rise to my defense, my, to my cause, my, my God and my Lord. Again, prescriptive, not descriptive. I, 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 I hate praying that way, right? God, make me successful. Make my cause right. Make, make everyone else fall apart. Because it seems like it's really about me, right? And not about God's glory. But let's, let's see what this is connected to, because David was certainly right and just and justified in praying this. He says, vindicate, uh, or said, wake up and rise to my defense, to my cause, my God and my Lord. But verse 24, he even says it, vindicate me. He's like, me, vindicate me. And like, oh, this is so selfish. But look what he says. Vindicate me, Lord my God. But what? In keeping with your righteousness. This is not about me getting even. It's not about me getting my way. It's not about me being vindicated. It's actually about you being vindicated. Your glory, your justice, your righteousness. David's concern is God's righteousness here and it being vindicated, not himself. But he knows he's acted within God's righteousness. He goes on and says, don't let them say in their hearts, aha, just what I wanted. Don't let them say, uh, we've swallowed them up. Let those who rejoice at my misfortune be disgraced and humiliated. Let those who exalt themselves over me be clothed with shame and reproach. Again, God wrecked them by your righteousness, by your justice, 
wreck them. Let them be humbled and ashamed. What did David know? He knew that, that there was going to be hell to pay. He knew that the wrath of God was real. We see in Proverbs 4, the way of the wicked is like the darkest gloom. Right? He prayed that their way would be dark and slippery. Right? He knew the, that, that this, this is what he knew. The way of the wicked is like the darkest gloom. They do not know what makes them stumble. But he wants them to be exposed. He wants them to experience the reality of sinful rebellion against God. And what's that reality? Well, we see that in Daniel 12. He says, many, many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to eternal life, and some to disgrace and eternal contempt. contempt. Uh, this, is, this is the hard part. Like, when you think about Christianity, oh, they want to talk about heaven and hell, and they, here, here we go, this hellfire and brimstone. Listen, we have a Savior who loves, who loves you, and who, who gave himself for you, who died in the place that you should have died and that I should have died. He died the death that you deserve to die, that I deserve to die. That because of our sin, we are condemned. That we deserve death and judgment. We deserve eternal contempt. But through faith in a loving God, through repentant faith, we come to Him saying, God, I'm, I'm over me. I'm done. You've wrecked me. You've ruined me. You're righteous. You're just. You're holy. You're God. You're the one who can forgive. You're the one that's mighty to save. When we come to Him in faith, guess what? We are forgiven. And as far as the east is from the west, so far have your sins been removed from you and from me when we come to him in faith. And we then have trust that it's not about whether I'm good enough or whether or not I have, I have victory over my foes. It's about whether God had the victory in me and for me. And he did if you've come to faith in him. If you have not, there, there's this, this option. right? It, either we have life through faith in Christ or we have death through rejection of Christ and through pride. And I hope that you would decide and say, I, I, God's stirring in my heart. God's telling me I, I need forgiveness. I need to know him. I need to be made clean and new. It's not about how good I am or how good I can possibly be in the future. It's about how good he was to die in my place because he didn't stay dead for you. He died for you as a, as a propitiation, right, as an atonement for your sin, as a payment for your sin and my sin. Then he was raised to life on the third day. Why? Because he is God and he didn't die for something he had done wrong. He was sinless and perfect, and he was a perfect sacrifice for you and for me. That if you and I believe that we believe in him, we would have eternal life and be rescued. And that's what we want. We want that rescue. David knew that rescue. He knew that he was righteous because of God and not because of his own will or own doing. He was asking for God to show up. But we know the reality of what David knows that many will be under judgment because they have not come to faith in this loving, mighty God who is eager to save them. But it begs the question, what maybe should our response be when we talk about it? Like, if we're asking God to act, right, we're praying that God act. Our, my application is not this, that you go home and you list all these crazy ways that God could deal with your enemy. That's not application today, okay? Please do not do that. Please don't go pray for all of those things. David, David was right when he prayed, and, and God is just to judge. But what's the model that we have? We see it in the New Testament, right? Matthew, Matthew 5, uh, Jesus says this, You've heard that said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, what does Jesus tell you? I tell you, love your enemies. We saw David do that, right? He, he mourned for them, he prayed for them, he wants their humility. He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. 
right? It shows that we are made righteous. It shows that he's our father when you and I can pray for the people that hate us the most. And not just, God, I pray for them, right? It's the genuine prayer. God, bring them to ruin. And the prayer is, God, wreck their heart. Let them see the, the deficiency in their ways and that they need you and that, that whatever they're doing will never add up to anything. That's what we pray for. That's what we desire. We pray for our enemies to know Jesus and to be forgiven of their sin, just as we were. Why, why do we do that? Because the Lord might grant them repentance. Then that's the difference between getting even with them and, and God's justice. We don't pray to get even. Getting even is predictable. I listened to a podcast of a pastor a few, few months ago and just really changed the way I thought about some of these responses. You and I can, can easily repay evil for evil. And that is exactly what everyone expects. That person was bad. I hate that person. That person did this. I'm going to do this. And most of the world would say, yeah, you deserved it. It's predictable, though. That, that action is predictable. For you and me to repay evil with evil is predictable. But there is a remarkable way to behave that is not predictable at all. And I think it's a remarkable way that should only be found in God's people because of how God has treated them. Romans 12, 17 to 21. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to what is honorable in everyone's eyes. Right? Consider how this may be viewed. And, and is it going to be viewed as me getting retribution and me getting even as me being just? Or is it going to be viewed as God is just? And God gets the glory. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on who? You. Not them. Well, they're, no, no, no. We do it all the time with my kids, right? And by my own self. We want to go into a long, lengthy discourse of what the other person did and how bad the other person is and, and how, how, how I'm so justified. I'm like, I don't want to hear it. And God doesn't want to hear that from us, right? As much as it's up to you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath. It's what David was doing, right? I'm not going to avenge myself. God, I'm leaving room for your wrath. You're God. It's your glory and your righteousness. I'm, I'm giving it to you. Because it's written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. You wanted him smoted? That's the way to smote him. By doing good. Repaying evil with good to your enemies. Because shame will come upon them like, why are they behaving this way? Why are, they, why are they not behaving predictably? When they behave predictably, I can predictably counter. But when you behave remarkably, I got nothing. Their coals are just heaped on their own head. Their swords they had are stabbed in their own chest. You don't have to bury your enemy. Your enemy can bury themselves. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. When we decide that praying for our enemies is what we're asked to do by, by God, we must choose to not do what is predictable and try to get even. But instead, we must do what is considered remarkable. And we can do it knowing, knowing all the while that there is a day where everyone will stand and get their own. 
everyone will give an account before a righteous and just God. The wicked will receive judgment that we are praying about. But the righteous will have life because of God. Number three, we long for justice with a passion for God's glory. A passion for God's glory. Now, back to Psalm 35, looking at verse 9 and 10. All this thing, I, I, they come against me, Lord, and I pray that you act. Then he says, then I will rejoice in the Lord. I will delight in his deliverance. All my bones will say, Lord, who is like you, rescuing the poor from one too strong for him, and the poor or the needy from the one who robs him? I, I want to pause here, because I even underline this in verse 10. All my bones will say, Lord, who is like you? What, what does that mean? What does that imply? That every single bit of you, every single bit of you, relies on and rests in the glory of God, the grandeur of God. That with, with everything I am, I believe that He is Lord and there is no one like Him. And that I don't have to get even because He is Lord and no one is like Him. I don't have to have vengeance because He is Lord and no one is like Him. I don't have to have my own glory. Why? Because He is Lord and no one is like Him. He says, I'll praise you in verse, 30, or verse uh, 18. I'll praise you in the great assembly. I'll exalt you among many people. In verse 27, it goes on. Let those who want my vindication, right? The people who say, yes, David, we want this glory of God to be seen. We want God to be lifted up. Let them shout for joy and be glad. And let them continually say, the Lord be exalted. He takes pleasure in his servant's well-being. And verse 28, final verse. And my tongue will proclaim your righteousness, your praise all day long. Sometimes I think our songs are conditional. God, if you move in a certain way, if you do a certain thing for me, if you, if you, if you, if you do A, I'll do B. But if you and I would say it's all about the glory of God and God's glory never changes, His justice never changes, His holiness never changes, when we say, God, who is like you, that should inform every single moment of our worship. That we should sing all day long and proclaim His righteousness, not mine, not my cause, but God's. We see this after the Exodus, right? Uh, God had taken his people out of Egypt, and, and this, this song, the song of Moses is found in Exodus 15. I want to read just a couple verses from it, uh, starting in verse 11. Uh, Lord, who is like you among all the gods? All the little g gods, right? Who, who is like you? The answer is no one. Who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders? You stretched out your hand, and the earth swallowed them, talking about the Egyptian army that was fleeing or coming behind them, right? What happened? The Red Sea parted. They went across on dry ground, and when the army came in, what did God do? He swallowed them up. They're praising God. God, you, this is your glory. Your God. We could never have done that. You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them with your faithful love. So we see his faithful love and that there's no one like him. With your faithful love, you will lead the people you have redeemed you will guide them to your holy dwelling with your strength. His strength, not ours. It's on Him. So it's on us to entrust ourselves to Him. He is the Lord who acts. But He acts for His righteousness. He acts for His justice. 
He acts for his glory. He acts for his name's sake. You see that in Samuel and all over the Bible. The Lord will not abandon his people because of his great name and because he has determined to make you his own people. Listen, God, God is drawing a people to himself. God is making a people for his own possession. We ought to let him do that. Let him act and, and pray that he acts and pray that it intervenes and pray Pray that his righteousness is seen, that his might is seen, that his glory is seen, so people would come to know him. We should long for the justice of God because we love the glory of God. We want his name and his fame to be clear as he works, right, as he works to call and save a people for his own possession and to sustain them by his faithful love. He's got faithful love towards you to sustain that. And you and I could then say what? Who is like the Lord? Who is like the Lord? Because we know, we know he's amazing. We long for him. We long for his justice. There will be a day where we will stand righteous before him because of faith. Or there will be a day where we stand in judgment before him because of our lack of faith. I pray you would have faith in him this morning. Would you stand with me as we pray and continue in our worship time? Father, we, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. And God, as we look to a, a psalm like this, it is sometimes difficult to read and see such a, a blatant desire for a curse on God's enemies. But God, we, we already stand condemned. We already know that we've sinned and fallen short of your glory. We're already in the water. We're going to perish without you. And we, we just, we long for you. God, for those of us here who have, who have trusted in you in faith, have turned from our sin and, and let, let, you, let you save us, let you forgive us, we have a hope that will never disappoint. And God, help us to not, not have some kind of hope that's only in our vindication or only in our redemption or only in, God, our getting even. God, our desire is not to repay evil for evil or to be predictable, but God, to live remarkably because of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Let us repay whatever evil comes our way with good. God, so, so they, they can bury themselves or God can wreck them and ruin their hearts. God, so they can come to a humble place before God and and trust Him as we did as well. God, for those who are, are still hardened here today, who, who are far from God, and maybe they think they're close, but God, you know the truth and they know it. God, I pray that as they hear your Spirit drawing them to yourself, that they would say yes. God, that they would trust you, they would believe the gospel, they would believe that they are separated from you, and without you there is no hope. But God, from what you have accomplished on the cross, through your death, your burial and resurrection, we, we trust you, we thank you that you died the death we deserve. You paid the penalty we should have paid. And through faith in you, our sins can be forgiven. God, help those who are, are on that edge to trust you, to go to you in faith for the forgiveness of those sins. We thank you. And God, as we now go into a time of worship, we ask that you would guide us, that you would help us to respond from the depths of our heart. God, and we respond and, and sing of your faithful love all the days of our lives. We pray in Jesus' name.